Hello, Space Junkies, and welcome to episode 103 of What a Piece of Junk, the Star Wars podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Butman, and joining me to do the magic hand thing, or perhaps just page clones via the intercom, it's the man of a thousand nicknames, our very own Dave Phil Cloney, my original Wookiee co-pilot, Mr. Miracle himself, Nathan Miracle. Nathan, how's it going? CT9904, please report to Admiral Rampart's office. Yeah, CT9904. Howdy! <laughs> How are you today, Scott? I'm doing great. Uh, today is one of those rare instances where on a Sunday we got to hang out in person. Earlier today, we gathered at the beautiful Infinity Games and Toys here in Rutherfordton, North Carolina, to play some Star Wars Legion, the erstwhile number one Star Wars model game, and perhaps will remain so, but maybe not with the advent of Shatterpoint from our friends at Atomic Mass Games sometime in the near future. But yes, Nathan took his uh, collection of snowtroopers, mudtroopers, and death troopers alongside one dark lord of the Sith and kicked my chronometer by killing all of my rebels and winning the game five points to nothing. Now, while that is true, I will point out that your Princess Leia got some revenge on her dad uh, because in two attacks, she managed to do six damage and knock out that Dark Lord of the Sith. She apparently just knew where the off button was on his yeah. machinery because I rolled six blanks on my defense dice, which is yes. really hard to do. Yeah, and you may him. not think it to look at her, but Leia in Star Wars Legion has some cool martial arts abilities. So I guess when you're a noble on Alderaan, you learn Taras Kasi or something. Um, well, I, after she got kidnapped, I'm sure she took some self-defense classes there. But yeah. yeah, I was also able to purchase some new cards, uh, a new Ooh. card pack. So I have Boba Fett, Bosk, and Cad Bane here uh, as mercenaries rather than working directly for the Empire or the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Yes, and after my shellacking at the hands of the Empire, I decided to make a purchase myself to add one... Din Jaren, the Mandalorian, to my rebels, uh, uh, you know, options of selectable operatives, and he comes with everyone's favorite baby Yoda, Grogu. Do the magic hand thing. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad you didn't have any Beskar spears today. So <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see how future games go. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. So we are getting ready to start a Star Wars Legion League over here in Rutherford County, uh, where we'll be doing 600-point games. So not quite skirmish, but not quite all the way up to a full-size game, where everybody gets to include a bounty hunter on their team, even if their team doesn't normally have access to bounty hunters. Um, and then the scenario that we'll be doing for every match is hostage situation. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I should join up and bring Boba Fett because then it's just another clone. It is. Yes. You could have a whole group of nothing but clones. Everybody's Jango Fett. Yeah. yeah. Jango Fett, weirdly not in the game yet. But Yeah, that is weird. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see him sometime soon. I'm sure. Yeah. 
But we're not here to talk about that clone or even tabletop Star Wars games. We're here to talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 3 of Season 2, The Solitary Clone. So we're going to jump right into it with our analysis of this episode. This was one of the most enjoyable pieces of Star Wars animation that I've seen uh, probably in the last year and a half or so, maybe even two years. Um, this was a really good episode, and uh, Nathan, I don't mind telling you, even before we get into the five questions, I enjoyed this episode better than either of the first two. Oh, I totally agree. As a matter of fact, uh, if you've listened to our last episode, you'll notice that we talked about some things that we wanted to see happen this season that happened in this episode. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to claim that we're prophets and all, all that good stuff because we hit the nail right on the head. And I'm really glad that we got uh, what we got. Yeah, there's a, another Star Wars podcast out there who likes to do a segment of profit or loser. And I'm going to say we got profit on this one. Definitely not loser. Um, so uh, hat tip to Rebel Force Radio. Uh, we were definitely predicting the future here. Although when it comes to Star Wars animation and specifically clones, I feel like Nathan gets half credit for these because he's part of the Phil Cloney Look, neural network. I don't always read his mind all right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sure sure that's what he told you to say how did you know that all right moving on the, the five questions nathan what was the thing that you liked most about this episode uh, i'm gonna go with the title the solitary clone uh, this is something that dave filoni loves to do this title could have more than one meaning it could be ct9904 uh, he's definitely solitary in that when he sits down to have a meal, the other clones leave him. You know, he certainly feels alone. He's the only member of the Bad Batch who's not with the Bad Batch at this point. But at the same time, it could refer to Cody because he feels isolated too. And in the end, he makes a decision to leave. So he's also solitary in a different way. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. I hadn't really caught on to that idea with it applying to Cody as well. I did very much enjoy, though, that it's obviously, you know, the, the very surface application is to Crosshair himself because, I mean, you're, you're right, when he sits down to eat, nothing has changed for him. The other clones still treat him the same way they did when he was part of the Bad Batch during the Clone War, and they would never go over to that table where the Bad Batch would sit and eat, you know, Wrecker and Hunter and tech and crosshair would all sit by themselves um and so crosshair still has to do that he's still ostracized even though he essentially gave up so much for the empire um mm -hmm. i think uh one of the interesting parts of this episode was when rampart was asking him about how long were you basically abandoned on camino essentially during the season finale of season one um, and he's was there, didn't he say, for like for 30 days? 32 basically? rotations. 32 days. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then he still came back to the Empire. And like, even why, Rampart, why did you come back after all that time? Yeah. All even, that time alone, solitary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Rampart can't seem to really understand that why Crosshair is just categorically evil, in my opinion. Yeah, but good soldiers follow orders. Mm, yeah. Oh, it was great when Cody said that to him in this episode. Uh, I loved how when Cody said that, we're used to hearing a very programmatic good soldiers follow orders as though the, the clone saying it 
isn't in complete control of themselves. You know, it's really the chip speaking and not mm -hmm. the clone. But when Cody says it, it's much more casual. It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, good soldiers follow orders. Like that's yeah. just something he believes, not right, right. what the chip is telling him. But then he, he's still having this crisis of conscience of, okay, but what orders do we follow? Yeah. Which I, I thought about earlier today is actually an interesting callback to, well, you know, I'll talk about that when we uh, talk about um, connections to other parts of star Wars. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the thing that I liked the most about this episode, I'm going to be a little more uh, simplistic. Uh, I loved seeing Crosshair do the mirror trick again, where he would throw yeah. the mirror on the wall and be like, Pew! and then um, I just liked the, the, you could tell Dave Filoni was heavily involved in this episode because mm -hmm. he had the classic, the commando droids thought they could outwit the sniper trooper and Cody by fighting them up a tower. Um, and they were doing almost a medieval style of warfare where, you know, the, the spiral staircase was set up in such a way that uh, you would need to be left-handed in order to properly attack with your sword in a lot of medieval castles, right? Because most people would have their knights be trained to fight right-handed and they'd hold their shields over there. So when you're climbing the stairs, when you're sieging the castle, you're at a distinct disadvantage as opposed to the defenders who can swing with their right arm. Same deal here. The commando droids, because they're all about tactics, because they were even led by a tactical droid. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Um, they're trying to outmaneuver Cody and Crosshair. And Cody is basically playing the bait because the commando droids are all coming after him while Crosshair is down the stairs a little bit doing the mirror trick because he's just the best shot in the entire Star Wars galaxy at this point in time. Um, and of course, he seals the deal by doing the thing where he shoots through droids into the head of the tactical droid right at the end. Um, just the perfect, you know, fatality, as it were. And then, of course, he shot um, the governor... Uh, the, the rightful governor of that yeah, planet. Rishi, I think it was. Uh -huh. Rish. <laughs> Um, anyway, I'll look that up. She, uh, she is a character who has appeared only in this episode. Uh, she okay. is uh, not in not anything else. Uh, she did mention uh, somebody from the Clone Wars and said, you know, I sponsored this bill that we did get an episode about, uh, but we never saw her or heard of her in that ep other episode. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, I mean, it's not a, a true retcon. They didn't go back and change anything that had happened but they added in somebody that were like oh well we happen to have not seen her yeah it's the classic i was just off screen when mm -hmm. that happened yeah yes yeah cool uh but yeah that was my favorite part was getting to see crosshair do the the mirror shot trick again in fact i liked that so much that this past saturday night when we played dungeons and dragons and i had my dual crossbow wielding guy i kept trying to figure out a way to use those magnets that i had received to stick something mm. reflective to a wall and shoot the energy bow across the thing <laughs> like crosshair just to watch you lose your mind as dungeon master but i could never find anything shiny in that necromancer crypt of ruins because well it was all moldy <laughs> and disgusting <laughs> yeah and Ah, still a good time. Okay, well, now that I know that you're going to try to do that, I'll make sure <laughs> oh, that something shiny <laughs> comes up. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. All right, uh, question two. What did you dislike the most about this episode? Uh, so this is not really directly the episode, but there were some things that we thought we knew about Commander Cody. Uh, about him supporting the Empire and becoming a stormtrooper, 
that have turned out to be decanonized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they weren't fully canon in the first place, um, but now they're confirmed that you know, that is not canon. Yeah, this definitely did not happen. Exactly. Um, so that, that's always a little disappointing when something you think of as canon becomes decanonized. But at the same time, it creates a new canon. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and, not like we haven't had this happen before in Star Wars. Exactly. And as much as people like to complain about Disney's acquisition of the property some eight years ago now, no, longer than that, 11 years ago now, or going to be 11 years this year, um, even before that happened, there were things that would constantly be shifting amongst canon or decanon. Yeah, well, and quite frankly, you know, at a certain point, there were so many conflicting things mm-hmm. that weren't canon, but like couldn't all be true. Yeah, this is part of the reason why when Disney decanonized the expanded universe, yeah, there's things in the expanded universe that I would have liked to have seen be canon. But there's so much conflicting stuff, they couldn't make it all canon. So really what they've done is they've taken bits and pieces and said, we like this, we don't like that. So things like Thrawn came back. Mm -hmm. So they're they're taking the best bits and have been over the past decade or so. Um, But it's okay for them to say, hey, you know what? There was a story there. It's not that that story is bad, but we have a better story to tell. Right, right. Uh, for me, the thing that I disliked about this episode um, was the fact that Commander Cody's disappearance was off screen. I would have liked mm. to have seen a, a, a an actual shot or two, or even a whole scene of him stealthily escaping from the base. Maybe even he has to stun some fellow clones so that he can get away, um, or even Crosshair, you know, sees him running away uh, as part of that and draws a bead on him and then decides not to pull the trigger for whatever reason, you know, um, that would have been cool. Although I don't think we're going to get any sort of redemption for crosshair until the very last minute. So maybe that would, that part, that part wouldn't have happened, but, but nonetheless, I would have liked to have seen Cody making his departure. Um, so the, the only reason that I wouldn't list that as my least favorite part of the episode yet is because I think we're going to see him later in this season. And that he's going to join up with the rest of the Bad Batch and Rex as part of the you know, defected clones. Oh, squad. sure. Definitely. I just meant I would have liked to have seen Cody doing his extrication from this particular this episode. clone base. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not like, you know, <laughs> a deal breaker for me that it ruins the episode. But Yeah. This particular episode is kind of hard to come up with a, you know, what did you dislike and there's not really anything i disliked in this episode mm-hmm. it's kind mm-hmm. of the thing i like the least you know yeah 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 exactly yeah all right question three what connections did you draw to the rest of the star wars galaxy uh, i'll go first because i think you actually have several to talk about here mm-hmm. uh these are a little obvious but it was still cool to see it happen battle droids of all mm-hmm. you know particular stripe and flavor even a tactical droid um, it's really cool that they had like an almost independent network of droids so that they didn't receive the shutdown order. Or if they did receive the shutdown order, somebody on this planet is good enough with droids to get them back up and going again. 
uh, and and set them to where they would obey the governor and her crew instead of obeying Doth, Sidious, and so forth, um, which was neat. Uh, I feel like, though, with Star Wars animation, we've had several instances of the last Battle of the Clone Wars kind of episodes <laughs> over the years, because we had this, we had some uh, battle droids happening in... Uh, of course, Clone Wars Season 7, which were really far along on the timeline. And and certainly in Star Wars Rebels, there was one episode where they found some battle droids still functioning and online. And it, But now those battle droids in Rebels were... Uh, the Clone Wars are still happening. You know, it's almost like uh, uh, there was a plethora of stories set in the Pacific right after World War II, all the way up through almost the 1970s, where it was some adventure yarn... And people found a couple of Japanese soldier holdouts that didn't know World War II was over, uh, hiding out on some island, some really tiny atoll out there in the Pacific. And when the you know Europeans or Americans showed up, they started fighting them as though it was still World War II. Um, so yeah, there's which uh, that sort of thing has happened historically. Yes, uh, the Battle of New Orleans in uh, the War of 1812 happened after that war was officially over. But at the time, your telecommunications were not a thing. Right, right. And w word had not gotten from Washington, D.C. to Louisiana to let them know, hey, the war is over. So yeah. actually, both sides on that one thought the war was still going on. They just hadn't received the shutdown order, so to right, speak. Right, right, yeah. Um, and the same thing happened uh, in the American Civil War as well. Uh, mm -hmm. There was some fight fighting between the Confederacy and the Union long before, not long, but shortly after the Confederacy ceased to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, there was also fighting before the Civil War on that one. But, yes. Um, just in general, lots of fighting. But anyways. Yes. Yeah, so now uh, what Star Wars. did you draw between this episode of the Bad Batch and the rest of the Star Wars galaxy? Uh, so there, there were the big obvious ones, as you mentioned. We have the uh, the droids uh, that are referencing the Clone Wars. Uh, now, the shutdown order, I found out this week. I didn't actually know this when I watched the episode, but found out later. Uh, the shutdown order was actually given by Darth Vader after oh. he uh, on Mustafar after he took out the Separatist leaders, but before Obi-Wan showed up. Neat. Um, so... Uh, that's when the the shutdown order would have gone out. Um, I thought it was interesting that they talked about they could have reprogrammed the droids because that's kind of what's going on with the clones too. Because mm -hmm. in season one, they talked about how the clones are programmed through the chip. Um, and now they have basically been reprogrammed to serve the Empire instead of the Republic. Um, so I thought that was a, a neat little connection. Uh, the good soldiers follow orders thing that I started to bring up, but put off till now. Yeah. Goes back to uh, the uh, the arc with General Pong Krell, uh, where he actually ends up pitting clones against each other. And he's giving orders, but Rex and crew figure out, hey, to really be good soldiers, we need to not follow these orders mm -hmm. because the orders we're receiving are not right. Yeah. They're, you know, he's having us fight each other. He's having us do things that are going to get us killed. Yeah, and for, throwing, for no game. He's throwing game. away our lives. He's, for yeah, no he's purpose. throwing away our lives. It's not that we are uh, 
obtaining some tactical advantage here, we're just throwing away our lives if we follow this, these orders. Um, so there are clones from that arc who have already decided that, you know what, to be a good soldier, I, I'm not necessarily supposed to be following all orders blindly. Yeah. Follow orders, yes, but not blindly. Uh, and then you get to here and you've got clones who have worked with the high-ranking Jedi like Obi-Wan and Anakin who are saying, you know, yeah, good soldiers follow orders, but I can't follow these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think about the whole clones are programmed with the biochip, i.e. the same way that droids are programmed, but not to the same extent. Because um, Rex likes to point out during the Clone Wars series, you know, we're not programmed. We're, mm -hmm. We do things differently than the droids because we have freedom of thought and, you know, improvisation and that sort of thing. Um, we can make our own decisions. Yeah. And then, of course, in in this episode of The Bad Batch, Cody says to crosshair about clones uh unlike droids clones have to live with the the ramifications of their of their action their decisions right you know we're not programmed but we have to live with what we did basically and uh, <laughs> it reminds me of there's a scene in babylon 5 where talia winter tells commander ivanova after ivanova tells her that talia as a member of the psychor is acting as the way that the psychor has programmed her as a telepath because they're doing mental programming and conditioning and talia says to her i don't feel she she says talia the problem is you're a victim of their brainwashing and she says i don't feel like a victim and ivanova says yes i know and that makes it even worse and i think about yeah. that when i hear rex talk about how we're not programmed like the battle droids are back in the clone wars and i'm thinking oh man if only you knew, because at that time he doesn't know. But he finds out, and he suffers mightily for it mm -hmm. when he's trying not to kill Ahsoka. Yeah. So I, I do wonder if part of uh, Cody's decision-making here goes back to, okay, we just figured out that there's still droids out there that haven't received the shutdown order. At the same time, in the Senate, there's this bill that they're trying to put through that's basically going to shut down the clone program. Mm -hmm. it, like, are we just waiting for our own shutdown order? Yeah. Yeah. And if we are, how do we respond to that? And for him, it's uh, get out while the getting's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, leave before see, it's, that it's happens. It's a perfect example of why Palpatine is the, the ultimate dark sider because he views droids and living life forms as a totally expendable, totally programmable mm -hmm. that everyone is just a pawn in, you know, getting him what he wants over like vast sands of time across oceans of time. Um, you know, he just does whatever he wants. It is the, the ultimate user, the ultimate mm -hmm. consumer, because that's what makes him the master of the dark side. Yep, the clones have served their purpose now. At this point, you know, they they are designed to take out force users, so they are a threat to me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I will get rid of them and I can come up with some reason that oh yeah, it's cheaper. That you know, it'll save the empire money. That's cuz we all know that he's all about saving money and not building large <laughs> elaborate massive <laughs> quadrillions of credits. Yeah. Ah, uh, de decentralized finance people, DeFi. Anyway, um, so 
moving on, question number four. Time for some customized or specialized questions for this particular episode. Uh, question four, what was written on the war memorial that Crosshair and Cody would meet in front of during this episode? Now, if you're a follower of stuff about Star Wars on Twitter or other social media, you may have seen that there was a uh, fan who translated the actual Arabish. He paused the episode and write, wrote down the Arabish and then went and translated it in English. And it's nothing. It's, it's gibberish. gibberish. It's not yep. actual words. But now let's look at this from a certain point of view. And that point of view being in the Star Wars universe, obviously it's not gibberish written on that wall. Nathan, what do you think would be there in Star Wars universe? I think this is a memorial uh, for the Clone Wars. I think that these are all names of the Fallen. So do we think that it's, and I agree with you, that was what I was going to say too, that it's like the Vietnam War Memorial, where it's mm -hmm. just a wall with the names of the people that were lost. Um, but... From the Imperial perspective, and prior to that, the Republic officer perspective, clones don't have names. They have serial numbers. So would it be the collection of the nicknames that the clones all gave themselves? Or is it all a bunch of serial numbers? Or is it something else? So <clears throat> I, I'm not 100% sure where this memorial is. Right. Neither, neither, I don't think we get to know just yet. Yeah. Um, it's not on Camino because it would that, have been dust. That, yeah, boom. <laughs> um, if it were on Camino, then it would make sense to me that the clones would have put up a memorial with uh, their their own names. An interesting possibility, and I I think this is wrong, but I'm I'm going to put it out there as a possibility. They may have taken over a uh, separatist location. I mean, obviously, they are taking over separatist locations. Um, that may be a memorial that the separatists had worked on. And thus, they are... So, that's possible, but there's a statue of a clone trooper there as well. Oh, yeah. And, and more to we the point, or more to my point, I should say, that statue has been there long enough to have become weathered. Did you notice that? Like I did parts, not notice that. Parts of the feature of its helmet section have been kind of like worn away. So, you know, we don't know precisely how many years the Clone Wars lasted. And that's another thing that keeps getting canonized and then decanonized mm -hmm. as to yeah. how long it took. It, it was at so, least a few years. Yeah. Um, so who knows how long that statue has been there or and then how long this wall has been there. Um yeah, I don't know what to make of it because, hey, I mean, maybe it is supposed to be just a, a bunch of the serial numbers of the clones that have all died. And, and maybe that's why it's gibberish. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not, uh, maybe these were early clone uh, serial numbers and they hadn't come up with the CT number, 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 number system yeah. yet. And they're, uh, but, you know, it could be a memorial to the Battle of Geonosis, the first Battle of Geonosis. Could so be. We're yeah. actually more than one. Um, in which case, yeah, that, that could be serial numbers of clones who never got a name. Right. And, and in that sense, you know, maybe what we saw is actually what it's supposed to be and not, you know, not names. It's not, you know, Cody and Rex and Hunter and Crosshair and that sort of thing. It's just, yeah, th this was clone L V K 
whatever. <laughs> clone LB249. <laughs> um, or so on and so forth. You know, clone THX1138. Um, yeah. Oh, man. It would have been so nice if that was <laughs> if that was one of them. Yeah. I'm sure that we'll find out, if not at the end of the season, somebody on Twitter will talk about it between season two and possibly season three of The Bad Match. Maybe Pablo Hidalgo will say something about, you know, oh, yeah, that was actually envisioned as a scene we were going to use in The Clone Wars season six, but we never got around to filming, you know, to, to making that episode. And so they've reused the uh, elements for this episode of The Bad Batch. And so we have, you know, the Clone Memorial Wall. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's fun to speculate to uh, what that would be in universe. Actually, it might be even cooler than that, and it's some ancient memorial for a war that nobody remembers what it was about, which makes it super apropos for the clones to use that area as a base. And perhaps that statue mm -hmm. that I was looking at isn't a clone trooper at all, but some ancient warrior. Could be. Um, I mean, we know that there are such things. Um, General Grievous's lair. Um, mentions you know ancient warriors of mm -hmm. races forgotten and, and grievous is like the last warrior of his race so, yeah um which is cool because in star wars the old republic video game you see members of his race from way back in the past that when when they weren't you know extinct or so dear to extinction yeah, okay so that, that uh, would and, be very fitting for star wars yeah yeah all right so uh and then question five here for this episode nathan all right well i had to ask it how does Admiral Rampart know exactly the very moment that Crosshair sits down to eat lunch? <laughs> because that is the moment that he calls him to the office. <laughs> yeah. Does yes. not care about lunch breaks. Without fail. Always when I'm eating. All I could think of was Spaceballs when Barf is in the back of the uh, of the um, Winnebago and, and and Lone Star is all Barf, Barf, and it cuts to Barfy. Always when I'm eating. But in that case, I in my nine-year-old brain or however old I was, I always thought to myself, maybe that's because you're always eating because, you know, Barf's not a small dude. He is so odd. I, I, I think I have an actual possible answer for this. They are on very regimented time schedules. Admiral Rampart takes his lunch from 11 to 12. Crosshair takes his lunch from 12 to 1. And Rampart just always calls him right as soon as he gets back from lunch. Yes, that's right. He's like, it just, oh. He does not care that Crosshair is on a different lunch schedule than him. Crosshair is not doing anything important. He's just eating. <laughs> Who needs food? <laughs> I kind of like the idea that uh, Kevin floated on our chat earlier this week, this past week. He just has a camera feed directly into the cafeteria, pointed at the Bad Batch table, because he and he just always watches Crosshair, and he's like got his finger hovering over the intercom button, and Crosshair's okay. like, hey, he's got, dude, he's got the train dude, up. Dude, dude, he's almost there. CT nine nine zero four, please. <laughs> it's like Is the it... worst high school principal ever. That or or it's it's like uh, like in in a department store when somebody's calling over the the intercom that, that very dull monotonous you can tell uh, CT nine nine zero four please report <laughs> to check out or to guest services <laughs> <laughs> attention clone mart shoppers anyway okay yeah so that's exactly it Rampart gets his sick twisted jollies of messing around with the clones because. This type of disrespect for subordinates flows from down flows downhill, of course, 
You got Palpatine at the top who respects nobody. Then mm-hmm. Vader. We all know how Vader feels about subordinates. Gah! You know, you have failed me for the last time, you piece of garbage, etc. Um, and so it just rolls on down to Rampart who treats the clones like garbage. Mm-hmm. You know. And in this case, he does it to Crosshair. Who is just a glutton for it, apparently, because he's still con- committed to the Empire. And I, I definitely hope we get to see him at the end of this. I hope it's this season. At the end of season two, Crosshair does his last moment of redemption. And, you know, and of course, in Star Wars, redemption equals death. So he's going to die for the cause and so forth in, in some way. Um, and then you know, I, I hope he dies taking out Rampart. That would be cool. Because you know, we know that Tarkin's around at this time, and Tarkin survives to the original trilogy, we don't ever see ramparts right around in the original trilogy. Now it's a big galaxy. You know, maybe he's over there. Yes, he's <laughs> yeah. just off screen in could, he's he's on the Death Star two floors down when it gets could, blown up. Could be. Could be. Yeah. But um I I don't know. I just feel like Rampart's not making it out of it alive. And I think Crosshair is going to be his end. And and when Crosshair shoots him. He's going to be all, Admiral Rampart, please report to the other end of my gun. Yes, yes. That's for interrupting my lunch over and over. You know what? In fact, how about a knuckle sandwich? You know. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there we go. And, um, you know, speaking of uh, interrupting, uh, I think we're going to have a quick promo here to tell you about all the other shows that you can hear right here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast, we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast, covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show, our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast, discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville Show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. All right, great. Thank you so much, Kevin, for all the details about the other shows here on the FPN 
Uh, Nathan, you know, uh, Derek was unable to join us this episode. He's traveling for work, but hopefully he will be back for episode 104. Um, so we're going to have a slightly truncated uh, episode of the podcast this session. Uh, but I did want to take just a minute to talk about a cool event that's going to occur later this year in Star Wars Marvel Comics. And uh, that is... Darth Vader is going to get another anthology comic. This will be a four-part, four-issue miniseries, so not part of the main Vader series, but uh, an anthology of different tales about everyone's favorite Dark Lord of the Sith. And he'll be even darker, if you can believe that, because this is one of Marvel's special black white and red comics um this is mm. a artistic choice that the house of ideas has been doing for some of their marquee characters to get special uh premium issues that only use those three colors so the entire comic will be black and white with some red accents in various areas for an artistic effect. Uh, a couple of other Marvel Comics characters that have already received this treatment um, have included Moon Knight, which was a cool idea in my opinion because he's very much about black and white and then the red for the accent. And of mm -hmm. course, everyone's favorite mutant with claws, Wolverine, has been given the red or black, white, and red treatment as well. Um, and when you think about it, having Star Wars Darth Vader, black, white, and red makes perfect sense because uh, it's I a mean, little th like Those are his three primary colors in the first place. <laughs> exactly, yeah. When you see him walking down the hallway in Rogue One, which has become an iconic Vader scene, it's mostly black and white and red, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to be a little bit of tan of the glowy smoke, but and then maybe one or two dots of green or blue with the buttons on his chest. Uh, but other than that, very much black, white, and red. Um so uh, there are some pretty big names in the comic book industry that are going to participate in this four-issue miniseries, uh, including writer Jason Aaron, uh, who this would be his first time writing a Star Wars tale. Uh, Aaron is mostly known for his work on Avengers and Thor. So, you know, not a slouch. Um, <laughs> and then also the artwork uh, for the anthology uh, is drawn by Leonard Kirk, who has uh, achieved fame on Sabretooth, and also the all new Wolverine comic. Um, what do you what do you think about this uh, idea of a black and white and red limited artwork limited series? Uh, I I love it. As we just mentioned, those are Vader's primary colors in the first place. Uh, if you picked three colors to represent him, those are the three that I would pick. Um, so you can do grayscale with red accents. Should look beautiful. Um, now. The article that you sent me says that uh, he is the drama queen formerly known as Anakin Skywalker. That is totally, absolutely totally. the case because that hallway scene you mentioned, uh, when you first see or first hear Vader, he doesn't have the lights on his suit on. He needs those to survive. <laughs> yes, but, yes. But he turns them off just for the drama of being able to reveal himself with the lightsaber. Yeah. That's yeah. the sort of scene that I would love to see in this comic <laughs> where it's, <laughs> it's a very imposing Vader being incredibly dramatic. I also think of the scene in rebels where he goes to the trouble of getting out of his tie fighter so that he can force lift his TIE fighter with him standing on the TIE fighter rather <laughs> yeah. than, you know, landing the TIE fighter. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I misspoke. I'm sorry. Jason Aaron has done Star Wars comics before. This is the first time that he's come back to Star Wars comics since he did it in uh, 15 and 16. He did Vader Down, uh, the big Vader miniseries uh, in previously in Star Wars Marvel comics. So my bad. It's just been a few years, you guys. That's why I was kind of losing track of it there. But yes, uh, there's a great quote from him in the article that we're referencing from Gizmodo, uh, where Aaron says, quote, I loved getting to let Darth Vader cut loose with all his power in such an epic way. I couldn't pass up the chance to revel in the dark side again and put Vader in an even more perilous situation and then see how he carves his way out. By one teeny tiny little nerd complaint about this being, of course, we all know that Vader's going to survive these stories mm -hmm. in uh, black, white, and red because, well, this is set prior to A New Hope or perhaps between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And so, you know, he's, I mean, he may have some perilous things happen to him, but he's not going to die because he's got to be there for the movies, of course. Yeah. But, you know, death isn't the only stake out there. There, there can be other stakes. And, you know, it, it is nice to see Vader get some wins because mm -hmm. when you have a big villain like that, there's always that danger of, well, we want to make sure the good guys win. But at the same time, if they're always beating the bad guy, then the bad guy is not really that threatening. Right, right. So if we they're always every episode to end with Vader shaking his fist at the sky, you rebels come. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why Empire Strikes Back is so good, because the bad guys actually get to be imposing, because the bad guys win. Yeah, they they win on Hoth. Vader wins on Cloud City, uh, both in terms of the duel and in terms of uh, you know he gives Han Solo to Boba Fett. So Boba Fett, Fett wins. wins. Yeah. yeah, the the villains get to you know have their day, uh, yeah. which makes them you know it, it raises the stakes for the next movie. You know, we return to Return of the Jedi, knowing, hey, these guys are tough. They beat us in the past. Yeah. Um, so it it should be good for this series to have Vader actually you know win, so to speak. Um, granted. It's not going to be by you know cutting down Luke Skywalker because you know, hint he's not dead, <laughs> right? Right. But uh, cool, yeah. But you know he, well, he can win in other ways. So uh, Vader, black, white, and red is coming out beginning in April. So uh, check your local comic shop or your comics app if you read it on your tablet or phone. Uh, so I'm probably going to be trying to pick up all four of those issues in physical form because uh, since it's an artistic. Uh, experiment or, or an artistic piece, I kind of want to have it, you know, that I can hold tangibly. So, uh, and I'm sure that it would make a pretty striking display if I ever hang it on the wall in my new game room, hopefully someday soon at my new dome home. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for Derek's favorite part of the show, even though he's not with us this episode. But uh, Nathan, what Star Wars t-shirt are you wearing this week? Well, I have decided to double it up and it totally relates to the Legion games that we were talking about earlier today, even though I didn't know that it was going to. I am wearing my 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader Luke Skywalker silhouette shirt. Nice. So I ran Vader today and he yeah. definitely ran roughshod over your uh, Rebels, which Absolutely. is why you 
bought Grogu. Oh, you had on multiple layers, so you're waiting. Oh, see, Derek's not here, but you wanted us to have three shirts involved anyway, so you wore two shirts. Yes, that, and it has nothing to do with the fact that it suddenly turned really cold. It's freaking cold. Because the weather here cannot decide what it wants to do. It's either 75 degrees or 30. Yeah. Never in between. Yes. Uh, and I am wearing a shirt that I probably should have used to inspire my uh, Star Wars Legion team and uh, didn't, but I could have brought Han Solo or rather Juan Solo as I'm wearing my classic Juan Solo shirt from Chewy's, the Mexican restaurant chain that has Han Solo. No, excuse me. Juan, Juan Solo, Solo standing out there amongst the twin sons of Tatooine wearing a sombrero. And instead of carrying his marquee DL-44 blaster pistol, he has two chili peppers. And if you guys out there want a cool What a Piece of Junk t-shirt, please check out our Tee Public store over at tpublic.com slash user slash fandom podcast network, or just go to the tpublic.com store and search up fandom podcast network and you can get a cool What a Piece of Junk shirt, a lethal mullet shirt, uh, coffee mugs, mouse pads, iPad cases, etc., etc. All of your merchandising needs can be met, and uh, we appreciate any support that you give the show. Speaking of which, Nathan, let the listeners know where they can find the podcast out there on the internet. You can find our podcast in several places on the internet. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube, we're on all of them. It's FPNet on the Podbean app or on Facebook. You can find us at What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. You can email us at What a Piece of Junk pod at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at What Wars. On Instagram, you can reach the entire Phantom Podcast Network with Phantom Podcast Network. And if you do find us on, well, any of these platforms, we would love for you to leave us a review. Scott, why do we love these reviews so much? Well, you know, anytime you leave a review, it increases the exposure of the podcast. And so that increases the chances that new listeners will find us based on the whole, since you listened to, oh, I don't know, Rebel Force Radio, you might be interested in What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. But more important than that, if you search up Fandom Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts and leave a review for What a Piece of Junk, and you make it a five-star review, it helps us to keep the little Wookiee children fed. And you know, Nathan, when we don't keep the Wookiee children fed, the Wookiee parents get upset with us because this mm-hmm. is our responsibility here on the Drunken Gungan. And when Wookiees get upset with you, I hear that you uh, they're very disarming. Uh, yes, that is one way of putting it. Yeah, That is yeah, true so. from a certain point of view. Indeed. But in all seriousness, folks, leave whatever review that you think we deserve. And of course please let us know any improvements that we can make. So we want to thank our listeners for joining us on this episode. Remember to find us on social media and then tell us what we can do to make the show better. Or, I mean, if you really want to tell us what you think would make the show worse so that we can avoid doing that. Um, And whatever you do, please always remember to respect each other and always respect each other's fandom. All right, Nathan, punch it.